Okay. So we are in week three of our series, Protecting Our Future. Last week, I I did a pause in this series, and we talked about working while it is day. We looked at John chapter 9, and and the Lord really laid that on on my heart, John chapter 9, that that, that we, are, we are to be busy about kingdom business. And if there's any time that we live in, that, uh, that we have lived in, this is a time where I believe the enemy is taking advantage of the situations that we're living in currently, and he's really discouraging a lot of believers. And that's something that I want to continue to do, to encourage us, to remind us about why we're here and why we are called and what God has done and what he is doing through us. Because he wants to minister to the world all around us. This is not just about survival. It's not just about, we're not here just to survive. We're here to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? So if you didn't hear last week's message, I encourage you, you can find it on our website. Or you can go on our YouTube channel. And you can take a look at that. So, so we're going to go back into this series called Protecting Our Future, talking about the next generation and how we can protect our future by pouring into them. So would you go before me, go with me before the Lord in prayer as we unfold this next message. God, we, we thank you for the privilege of hearing your word. And God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to receive what it is that you would want to speak to our heart. And God, I pray that we would be receptive We would listen with receptive hearts. Pray that you would do your work, God. You do such a special work through the preaching of your word. You convict, you comfort, you challenge, and you heal. God, I pray that you would do that work here today. Lord, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth, to preach your word, and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I cooked some spaghetti last night. Who likes spaghetti? I think you would like my spaghetti. It's pretty good. I think it's, of course, again, I'm, a, I'm biased. I like my own cooking. When we first got married, actually, when we, we and, me and Estelle were, were dating, um, she cooked some red beans and rice. And I went into the kitchen at her parents' house, and I went and looked in the pot, started stirring it around, and there was no gravy. And I, I don't know how some people eat red beans and rice with just like hardly any gravy, it's just a bunch of rice and some unmashed beans. <laughs> I'm like, I grew up on Blue Runner. Come on now. You got you to fix that. And so I went in there and I doctored up. Her. I, asked, I asked my girlfriend, right, this is not something you should probably do if I could fix her, her beans a little bit. I had some water, thinned it out, added some seasoning. So last night I cooked some spaghetti. She learned to let me cook more often than not. So I cooked them some, some spaghetti. And what, what do you do when you get the noodles? You boil them in the water. And you take the pot after the, the noodles are, are boiled and you take a, a colander or a sieve and you pour those noodles into the colander and it acts as a, as a filter. And it filters out the water and the noodles are what is left. So you've used a colander before, but maybe you have a filter. Where, where, where else do you use filters? Maybe you have a filter on your water. Anybody have a filter on their water and, or or, 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 or who, who drinks tap water here? Some tap water drinkers? I know who the tap water drinkers are. I've talked to some of them personally. They just go out, in the, out, out to the hose pipe. You call it a hose pipe? You go out to the hose pipe and you, you drink the water. That's, that's, you probably haven't had COVID yet. So maybe, maybe that's the trick. Go drink the hose pipe water. Maybe that will build your immunity. 
But for all of us, other people who don't want to drink hose pipe water, we will drink bottled water that's filtered or we'll put a filter on our tap. But it's a filter. It filters out. Filters out things. Maybe we have internet filters. And I would encourage you, have an internet filter because you want to filter out the things that are not good. I want to talk to you about another filter that is important. And it's a filter. It's, it's, it's a filter that, that shapes the way in which we see the world. All of us have a worldview. And a worldview is a filter. So when you say worldview, what you're talking about is that your view of the world is a filter with which you take the information that you see and you hear and you decipher it and you receive it. So what is your worldview? A worldview is a filter. Do you have a biblical worldview or do you have a a secular worldly worldview, an ungodly worldview? What is your worldview? It's just like a filter. So when you think about a worldview, think about it like a filter. It's, or, or think about it like a lens. A worldview could be like a pair of glasses that you put on. And you see through that filter, through that lens, the world a, a, a certain way. You see the world, this worldview. So the question, and we're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're talking about the next generation protecting our children. The question would be this. What filter do we want our kids to look through? What filter do we want our kids to look through? You, you can answer. It's an obvious question. The filter, a biblical worldview. Uh, we want our kids to see a biblical worldview. We want them to understand what God's word says about life. And as, as we looked in week one, I would encourage you, go back and listen to week one. I laid out very clearly the worldview that we are up against. The view, the filter of the world, the, the lens with which the world wants our kids to see life, wants us to see life, is an unbiblical worldview. And the battle of this worldview is the battle for the hearts and minds of our kids. The battle is a battle over worldviews. Will, will, will our kids and the future generations that come after us, will they believe the word of God? Or are they going to believe the lies of the enemy? And the enemy's been putting an unbiblical worldview in front of humanity since the garden. Did God really say? That's a filter, right? Lucifer, Satan, in the form of a serpent, came to Adam and Eve, or came to Eve first and said, here's a filter, did God really say? And that unbiblical worldview influenced Eve. And it's still influencing humanity today. You know, the, the greatest threat our kids face is not a physical one. And, and I, w- I would say that for all of us. The greatest threat we face in our life is not a physical one. The greatest threat that we face is a spiritual one. This body is just passing through. Do we believe that? This body is just passing through. The greatest threat on my life is not that I would die physically. The greatest threat on my life, as we said during their prayer time, is that, is that I would be separated from God for eternity because I have failed to place my faith in the once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for me. The greatest threat our children face is not a physical one, but a spiritual one. So, so here's just a reminder Here's a synopsis of the satanically motivated worldview that is being force-fed to our kids. Here's just four, 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 four areas, four big picture views. One, God is not the creator. God is not the creator. That's the worldview that is being force-fed to our kids. God is not the creator. He did not create this universe. He did not create individuals. 
everything we see is a result of a cosmic accident. That is an unbiblical worldview. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says in Psalms 139 that we were knit together in our mother's room, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. We weren't mutated, but we were made. We were created by God. Another view is that God is not the source of truth. God is not the source of truth. Not only is God not creator, but God is not the source of truth. The God, God's word is not the source of truth, which leads to the third view that's being forced into our kids' minds is that we get to determine truth for ourselves. So if God's not the creator, God's not the lawgiver, who gets to make the laws for ourselves? We do. This is the worldview. This is the filter with which all of us are being influenced. But in particular, when we're thinking about protecting our future, this is the attack that is being full frontal placed upon the minds and the hearts of our kids. You get to be what you want to be. You ever had somebody tell you that? You can do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be. That's a secular idea. It's not biblical. I can't be what I want to be. I'm bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. My life is not my own. God gets to be the one who determines who I am and what I do. And I am, I am required to follow his will. But the lies of the world say, hey, you can be what you want to be. Do what you want to do. Which leads to this next idea, which is that God's design for gender, sexuality, and marriage, as revealed in Scripture, is evil. That's a, that's a worldview that's being forced onto our kids. So I can be what I want to be, do what I want to do. If I, if I don't like the gender that I am, I can just be another gender. I can identify as another gender. If I don't like the marriage that I'm in, I can leave my wife and I can marry another woman. If I want to stay married and live in sexual sin, I can do that. I can, if, 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 if I want to cheat on my taxes, if I want to, how, however I want to live, I will live because I get to do determine truth for myself. This is the worldview that is being force fed to our kids. Do you see it with me? Just trying to bring us back to week one. Have, have I done a good job of bringing us back to week one? Did you forget, in case you weren't here, this is the worldview that our society is force-feeding our kids. So what do we do? How do we respond? Do you remember what I said in week two of this message as we looked through Deuteronomy 6? We as parents and spiritual leaders, we are called to live lives that demonstrate the power of the gospel. We are called, this is the first step in which we can impact the next generation. We must do more than just telling our kids that this is right and this is wrong. We must live that this is right and we must live that this is wrong. That our kids are going to look at our lives and they're going to see testimonies of the power of the gospel. And this is what we talked about in week two. And now let's look back at Deuteronomy 6. And let's look at another layer of how we can protect our future. Let's go back to the text. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 6. It says this, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And it shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So we must demonstrate for our kids what a Christian life looks like. But we must 
also be proactive in what we teach them. And this is what this section is all about. I'm calling this message diligent instruction. It's about the diligent instruction that is necessary to help shape the minds of the future generation of our kids and our grandkids. So I see in this text two commands in this text, in these verses, and one implication. Two commands and one implication. So here's the first command. We must be the loudest and the most consistent voice in the life of our kids. We must be the loudest and the most consistent voice. Look what the text says there. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, leaders and parents. And you must teach what God's placed on your heart, his word. You shall teach these commands diligently to your children. It's interesting, this word diligently. This word diligently is an interesting word. When you, when, you, when you study the Hebrew word for diligently, it gives this idea of sharpness and this idea of impressing or even this idea of, in, of engraving. One, one, one commentary puts it like this. The covenant recipient, which would be us as, as parents, right, as Christians, the covenant recipient must impress the words of covenant faith into the thinking of his children by inscribing them there with indelible sharpness and precision. With indelible sharpness and precision. Teach them diligently. Indelible sharpness and precision. Diligence. It's kind of like this. I got a couple of pictures. One is a picture of a trophy and an engraving there. You guys see it right here? You see that? You know what kind of trophy that is? I could have showed you a tennis trophy or a football trophy. But you know what kind of trophy I'm showing you here today. That's one thing you do know about me. You're not going to have to learn that on August 29th, that I love golf. That is the FedEx Cup trophy. You can put it back up there. That's the FedEx Cup trophy uh, for the end of the year winner. And the guy behind, you can't really see his face, but that's Vijay Singh. He won the FedEx Cup trophy. It's the end of the year trophy for the PGA Tour. And the winner wins like $15 million. And so you see what that that engraver is doing? He's taking a sharp instrument and with precision he is engraving that name. And the idea is, is that that name is going to be permanently engraved onto that trophy. Or it's kind of like this. I got a picture of the Oregon Trail back in the, in the wagon days. These are ruts that were, that were made over a long period of time during the, during the western treks that would take place in the wagons and, and it would create these ruts, these indelible impressions so that people could come back behind and could follow. This is the idea. It's precision and permanence. It's repetition and direction. This is what it means to diligently teach our children, impressing with precision and repetition which brings direction. There's so many voices that are vying for the ears of our children. So many unbiblical ideas that are literally at the fingertips of our kids. And all of those voices, all those ideas, all those thoughts, these, these unbiblical worldviews that are trying to be filters for our kids, what are they trying to do? They're trying to make an impression or to make ruts into the thinking of our kids. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make ruts into the brains of our kids so that they would follow the path of the world. So that they would follow the path of worldly thinking so that they would go after the ways of the world as motivated by Satan. 
This is what they are trying to do. And this is why the command is there in Deuteronomy 6. Do you remember why this command was given? It was given so that the nation of Israel would not rebel against God. It was before they were going to get into the promised land. But do you remember what happened when we started the series in Judges chapter 2? It says that a, a generation that came after the Joshua generation, after they made the promised land, it says they forgot the God of their fathers. They, and then it, it says specifically, they abandoned the God of their fathers. What was the failure of the Joshua generation to do? The Moses to the Joshua generation. What did they fail to do? They failed to make the ruts. They failed to take the knife and with precision to cut into the hearts and the minds of their kids with the truth of God and his covenant and his ways. This is the idea. This is what God is saying through Moses. We must teach our children diligently. We must cut into their life with the truth of God's word. We must make those ruts so that they can see clearly in front of them. This is the way. Walk in it. St. Francis of Assisi famously said this, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So, I think St. Francis here is right and he's wrong. He's right and he's wrong. He's right in the sense that we must live the gospel of Jesus Christ before our kids, which is what we talked about in week two. We must, we must really be passionate about the truth. But we must also use words, my brothers and sisters. The world is using words. The world is using words. It, it is both. It is, it is the coming together of our words and our life matching up and impacting the next generation. The world is using words with diligent persuasion to make ruts into the minds of our kids to show them this is the way. Walk this direction. Abandon the God of your father and your mother. Abandon the God of the Bible. This is why Christian education is so important. I got to speak to the staff, the administration staff at our school, at Homer Christian School on Thursday morning. And I mean, I was so fired up. I was ready to preach. I was, I was, I was, I was excited to communicate to all those teachers. You know what I told all those teachers? I said a lot in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But the one thing that I said, I wanted them to understand. I said, you are all Bible teachers. Every single one of you, you are a Bible teacher. Not just the Bible teachers who are paid to teach the Bible, but the, the trigonometry teacher, the biology teacher, the English teacher, the history teacher. You're a Bible teacher. This is what you're called to do. And it's such a great responsibility and privilege we have as a Christian school. Christian education is so important. We get to teach the gospel every single day in every single classroom. And we get to have chapels on Thursdays and Fridays to teach those kids to make ruts in their minds and paths for them to follow. And I love the Christian education that goes on here. Right now, Mr. Jimmy, who's the principal at, at, at Homer Christian, and his wife, they are making those ruts in the minds of your kids right now. With precision, they're taking the word of God and they're engraving the truth of God onto the minds and, and eventually onto the hearts of our kids. Because if, we're, if we aren't diligent at this, someone else is being diligent. Do you believe that? We must be the most consistent voice. So what does it look like to be diligent in taking the word of God that is in our heart and teaching it to our children? Is that your question? 
Well, if it is your question or it's not your question, the text gives you the answer. Look back at the text, Deuteronomy 6. What is it? When, when, when God says, teach them diligently, take this, these commands that are on your heart and teach them diligently, what does it look like to teach them diligently? Look what the text says. Talk of these commands when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So what, what's the picture there? What does it look like? To, what, what does it mean practically when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise? It kind of looks like this. When you sit at the, at the dinner table. When you sit at the, at the dinner table, you're talking about God. Kids, how was your day? What did God do in your life today? What, what happened? They're navigating difficult friendships. They're navigating difficult conversations they're hearing on, 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 on the school bus or in the classroom or, or whatever situation they're facing. You're talking about the things of God at the dinner table. Maybe you have a devotion that you do it at, at, at dinner time. You sit down, you take that 15, 20 minutes before dinner, after dinner. Probably before dinner is better because you're starving them and you say, look, you can eat after the, the devotion, right? Because if you do it after, they're, they're falling asleep. But it's at the dinner table. It's, it's in everyday life. When you sit in your living room, when you sit at the dinner table, when you sit in your living room, you're conversating. You're not just, you're not just watching the Saints football game. You're not just watching PGA Tour golf. You're not just watching all these things. You're engaging with them. On the back patio, when you're drinking your sweet tea, when you, when you drive, when you're on the way, when you walk by the way, aren't you glad we don't have to walk to school now? We, or walk to work, we can drive When we're driving our kids to school, when we're driving them to work, I I get to drive my son to work now. Well, actually, he gets, he has his permit now. That is, oh, oh, I have to tell, I told, I told Joel, God, God bless you, Joel. I I don't even know where he is right now. I don't know if he's in the room. He may may be helping in children's church. Uh, I'm not being diligent with that this morning. But he got his permit and he drove me to church this morning. And I told Joel, I said, from here on out, you cannot drive me to church. <laughs> you can drive on the way home. I said, but I am too worked up right now. We got in an argument. He, he, he's scared of the middle. <laughs> Come over to the middle, buddy. The right's dangerous. There's a bayou over there. But anyway, so we were not obeying this scripture on the way to church today. I was instructing, but it was a little frustration. When it's bedtime, when you lie down, when you rise, right? Do you, do you get the picture? It's, it's integrated in every part of our life. We're seeking to, in, to engrave with precision, with that sharp knife of the, of the word of God. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We, we use the word of God, biblical principles to teach our kids. And we're making those ruts in their minds so that they they, they know which way to walk. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Sometimes they may depart, but they're going to have the ruts that are in front of them. And, and the path on the other side of the ruts is going to be a little more difficult than they expected. And the Holy Spirit will bring them back to the clear path. But we got to make those ruts. I remember the first time. I had to address the issue of gender and sexuality with my kids. Do you want to know where it was at? It was at the dinner table. We're eating dinner, and one of my kids spoke up, and we're talking about marriage. We're talking about somebody, a man and a woman in our church that got married, was on their, they went on their honeymoon. So we said, yeah, they're, they're driving over here or over there. 
And one of my kids spoke up and said, and said, a boy can marry a boy and a girl can marry a girl. And I was like, all right, here we go. Now's the time. So I just want to encourage you. You'll know when the time is, right? They're hearing the messages and they were young. They were young. We obviously don't teach that. They heard it from somewhere. They heard it from school. They heard it from some friend. They they saw it in a commercial. They saw it somewhere. It was in that moment at that dinner table. We said, no, a boy can't marry a boy. Actually, they can marry a boy and a girl can marry a girl in our country. Unfortunately, now they can, but it's not what God's word says. It is sin against God. And we took that moment and we gave the instruction, diligent instruction. If we don't give them the right biblical view, who will? Our kids are vulnerable and they need us as parents and leaders to step up. Don't be intimidated about the conversations. Protect them by teaching, by listening, and by correcting. Our kids are vulnerable. They're vulnerable. They're being taken advantage of through our society. I think about our kids and it stirs me up with such passion. Think about, think about all the kids are going to be on the campus starting tomorrow at Homer Christian School. The kids throughout this, this area. Our kids are vulnerable. They need protection. You know, what's so interesting is that the worldly, worldly ideas and views, especially concerning gender and sexuality and all these subjects, is that it's taught as if these things have to be taught so that the kids can be free and can be all there that, 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 that they want to be. But in reality, all those mindsets is actually what is used by the enemy to enslave them, to increase depression and anxiety, to cause suicidal thoughts because they're moving outside the way God has designed them and called them. Our kids are vulnerable. We can't just take this lightly. We can't just, we can't just think that, that it doesn't matter. It matters so greatly. I love the aggressive proactive picture the Apostle Paul gives us when it comes to dealing with these false ideologies. Look at 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war against the flesh, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to do what? To destroy strongholds. What do we do with these arguments? Yeah, a boy can marry a boy and a girl can marry a girl. No, we destroy that argument. No, I mean, we're not going to get on top of the table and yell at our kids, right? But it's, it's, it's this idea that I'm not going to be passive, passive as a parent. I'm, and, 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 and as a dad, if, if I'm a father, I'm not going to push that over onto my wife. No, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to destroy that argument with the truth of God's word. And I'm going to speak to my kids. And I'm going to teach them. I'm going to be diligent. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion Raised against the knowledge of God. That's the idea. These false ideologies, these unbiblical worldviews, those things are an attack against the knowledge of God in the hearts and the minds of our kids. And we must destroy those arguments. The world is trying and succeeding in many fronts into shaping the identity of the next generation to create their identity into their own image and not the image of God and his word. It's about identity, my brothers and sisters. It's about identity. 
That's what is so important with our kids. What is their identity? That's what's important in your life. Where do you get your identity? Do you get it in your career, with your job, the money you make, the relationships that you're in? No, it's about your identity. And our kids are so vulnerable about their identity. They don't need to have the world shaping their identity. They need us as parents through the word of God to shape their identity. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Amen. If you don't believe it, you're not going to be proactive. And your kid's identity will be shaped by things that you don't agree with. Generation is looking for who they are. Looking for who they are. And who they are is that they're desperately in need of parents and spiritual leaders who will speak the identity of God. What God says over them. So we must be the loudest and most consistent voice. We must be that sharp knife that that seeks to cut with precision and permanence. And we must dig those ruts that give them direction in their life. And this leads us to our next command. We must be the guardians of the entryways of our home. We must be the loudest and most consistent voice. And we must be the guardians of the entryways of our home. Look back at the text. He says, you shall write them on the doorpost of 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 your home. Isn't that interesting? He says, these commands, I've placed them on your heart. I've placed them on your heart. Teach them diligently to your kids. When you rise, when you go on the way, when you wake up, when you lie down. And he says this, write them on the doorpost of your house. It's interesting, Jewish families would take that literally. And they would take boxes and fix them to the right side of their entryways with three sections of the Old Testament, three sections of the Torah into that box. And Deuteronomy 6 in this section was one of those sections that they would put inside this box and they literally put it at the doorway of their house. So every day it was a symbol that the word of God is the filter with which this home lives by. So they would write the law of God on their doors. And so this is a picture, this is a picture, a symbol, a picture of the fact that the word of God is the protection of our home. In 2017, a study was done that on average, Americans spend $20.6 billion annually on home security systems. 2017 study, on average, Americans spend $20.6 billion annually on home security systems. I worked for a home security system for nine years. I put alarm systems in the tri-parish area probably, I, I don't know, in nine years. I must have put at least, you know, probably 800 to 1,000 homes that I was a part of a job that I put an alarm system in. This is a huge industry. And we're, you know, look, we, 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 don't, we, we not only have security systems, but we, 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 we have our guns, right? We are worried about intruders. And we will lay awake at night worried about a potential intruder not knowing that the intruder has actually been living in our home for a long time. We're worried about the physical intruder coming in, and that's a, right, protect yourself. But there's been an intruder living on the inside of our home for a long time. This is the picture. The commandments of God, the law of God, it stands as a filter of protection for the entryway of our home. We cannot be surprised when our kids live out unbiblical identities when we remove the word of God as a filter of protection for our homes. I want to say something to you really clearly. I want you to to really hear this. Our kids are not entitled to be able to listen to and watch whatever they want. It's not a right. 
You are not a bad parent if you filter what they watch and listen to. You are, not a, you are a good parent if you filter what they listen to and watch to. And what they listen and watch to. They're not, it's not a right that they get to watch everything on Disney+. Plus. It's not a right that they get to watch Amazon Prime and Netflix. It's not a right that they get to just have unhindered access to a smartphone. You need parents. It is not a right for them to have unfiltered access to the internet on their phone wherever they go. The Lord wants to tell you that you'll be depriving your kids if you protect them from that. They desperately need us to protect them from dangerous ideologies that seek to transform them. This is the idea. This is the idea. The word of God is at the doorposts of our home. We are protecting and guarding the minds of our kids from the false ideologies that are coming through the TVs, their computers, and their smartphones. I know I say this a lot, but this is where the battle rages in the life of the next generation. It's, 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 what, it's what's raging in your life, in our life as, as adults too. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Something's going to transform our minds and the minds of our kids. And we must be the ones that filter out the things that are ungodly, that seek to transform our minds and the minds of our kids. I remember one time, Estelle and I were told this by somebody. They said this, you're just a helicopter parent. I said, yep. And I have a really big helicopter. You know why that's true? Because somebody needs to hover over my kids and protect them spiritually. Because the evil world system is hovering over them like vultures. Seeking to devour them. I want to press this in on us. Somebody's got to hover over our kids. And you know the, the argument is this. The argument is, well, they're not gonna, they got to learn about the world. <laughs> My goodness, they're going to learn about the world. It's coming. It's coming. There's no rush. There's no rush in getting them to understand all the messed up views of the world. I'm telling you, there's no rush. You can have those normal conversations. A boy can marry a boy, daddy. A girl can marry a girl, daddy. You can have those normal conversations. But there's no rush for them to understand all the, all the depravity of this society. That's a, that's a bunch of baloney. I want to hover over them, protect them from the evil of that. That's where strongholds come from. That's where addictions come from. Protect them. Look, they're going to turn 18 one day and they're going to leave. And the things that we think we're protecting them from, the things that we, or, 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 or the things that, that, that we think we have to try to tell them so that they can learn it, they're, they're hearing it without you knowing it. I mean, look, I had to ride the school bus for two years in seventh and eighth grade. And the things that was talked about on the school bus, it's still in my brain. I could tell you word for word the the, the terrible things I heard because we shared a school bus with high school students. Look, your kids are going to hear it. You, you, You need to be the filter which which they can take that information 
and can understand it through a biblical worldview. So I'm encouraging all of you, be helicopter parents. And if your grandparents here today and the parents of your kids aren't being, aren't, you be the filter. You help those grandbabies out. You teach them God's word. Don't, don't usurp authority, but, but help them, teach them, guide them. So I'm encouraging you, be helicopter parents. Amen? Parents, don't believe the cultural lie that we just have to allow our kids to organically become what they want to become. It is our calling to steward and shape who God has called them to be. Who God's called them to be. There's a horrific story that unfolded in Canada in 2019. I don't know if you heard this. You may not have heard it because we're not from Canada. But this is just something to show you the current cultural mindset in modern society. And this, this will make its way into our country. It normally happens in Canada and Europe first, and a few years later it comes to our country. There was a 14-year-old girl that decided she wanted to be a boy. The Supreme Court of British Columbia ordered that this girl receive testosterone injections without the consent of one of her parents. The court also declared that if either of her parents referred to her using the female pronouns or addressed her by her birth name, they would be considered guilty of family violence. This is a real story. You can, you can, you can, look, you can Google 20, 2019 Canada 14-year-old girl transgender. You'll find all the articles. The school counselor encouraged it. The local children's hospital encouraged it. Listen to the girl's father who was against it. He, he, he said this. The government has taken over my parental rights. They are using her like she's a guinea pig in an experiment. It is the British Columbia's children. Is the British Columbia Children's Hospital going to be there in five years when she rejects her male identity? No, they're not. They don't care. They want numbers. That's, that's, that's serious. And those mindsets, they are in our current country right now. They're in our country right now. Those mindsets, those ideologies are here. We, 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 we must be those helicopter parents who are hovering and our God-given calling of protection, like a hen covers her chicks under her wing. We are protecting our kids. God's given us, as parents, responsibility to shape the identity of our children. An identity rooted in what God's word says about them. We must be the guardians of the entryways of our home. Because aggressive-minded people are willing to shape the identity of our children if we let them. If we will be the most consistent and loudest voices in our kids' life, and if we will be proactive in the protection of our kids, here's the implication. Two, two commandments. Here's the implication. Our communities will feel the impact. Our communities will feel the impact. Look back at the text, Deuteronomy 6, 9. These commandments that shall be on your heart, what shall you do with them? Teach them diligently. Each and every day to your kids. Write them on the doorpost of your houses to stand as guardians and filters for your homes. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and you shall write them on your, on your gates. What is the word gates? What's the idea of the gate there? The, the, the doorpost is the home. The gate is the city. It's the community. The doorpost of our homes represent the protection of our homes through the filter of the word of God. The gates here represent the city gates, our cities, our communities. Is is this not what we want? We want the truth of God's word that is taught in our life and has shaped our heart to shape our kids. But is that not what we want? We want it to shape 
our communities. Our communities will feel the impact of young men and women that grow up with biblical convictions and values, can articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ, and can impact the world around them. Protecting our future is going to take diligent instruction and protection from the lies of the enemy. It's not about retreating. It's about proclaiming. It's not about finding a bunker, but it's about standing on a hill. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage all of us here today. We have the answers. Do you believe that? We have the answers. We have the truth. We have the hope. We have what the world desperately needs. We have what the world desperately needs. And we have to write that on the hearts of our kids. And we have to write that on the doorposts of our homes so that the city gates and the communities can be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our world needs to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And future generations of that gospel proclamation depends on what we will do. Will we be diligent? Will we, will we be diligent each and every day to take the word of God and to inscribe it in the minds and hearts and to make those ruts for our kids to walk in? We've been called to make an impression on the gates of our city and our community and we do it by diligent instruction of our kids. So I just want to tell you this. It's not, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. This is not the end. The pandemic is not the end of the world. It's not over yet. The bark of the beast is not here yet. The rapture is not coming yet. It's coming, but it's not here yet. We have breath in our lungs. We have life to live. Until the Lord says it's over, until he says no more, until he ends it, we advance the kingdom agenda. Until he says it's done, we advance the kingdom agenda. We don't go run and hide. We aggressively pour in to our society. We pour in to the body of Christ. We pour in to the next generation. We protect our future by raising our kids and guiding our kids and teaching them the truth of Scripture. We advance. We move forward. We're not going back. We're not retreating. We're not falling back, but we're moving forward. Amen? Our Lord gave us one final command before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He said this, Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you until the end of the age. He's with us. And if we will commit as parents and we will commit as spiritual leaders and we will commit as as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we are going to be proactive. We're going to diligently teach our kids. I I was so fired up with our teachers at Homer Christian School. I, 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 I believe that now is the time to shape the next generation. Now is not the time to fall back. It's not the time to fall back. I, I want to see expansion. I'm going to show you next week. I'm going to show you next week some prints of some ideas of how we can even expand this current facility to better impact our youth and our children. 
We need to expand, not shrink back. We need to make more room for kids and families to come and worship here so we can take the truth of God's word and we can write it with precision on their minds and their hearts because it's not over yet. It's not done yet. God has not come back yet. And God wants mercy for people. He wants them to escape wrath and judgment. And we get to be a part of that. I want to see our school expand. We're, we're, we are in the, in, in the process over there at, at the school of potentially building a new high school. I don't know, many of you might not know this. We, we bought the six acres that are in between the YMCA and Homer Christian School. And don't be surprised within the next year to start seeing some construction take place there. We're, we're, we want to expand and give more opportunity for people to come and be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why we're here. I'm not... I'm not I'm not giving up. I'm not ra- ra- waving the white flag. I'm not, we're, we're not waving the, the white flag. This virus is going to pass. And what's left will be left. And we're going to move forward. We're, gonna, we're, we're going to advance the kingdom of God. And we're going to see. I, 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 um, from the beginning, I, this is not in my notes. I'm, I'm, I'm done with my notes um, from, from the very beginning of this pandemic back in March of 2020 when the shutdowns came, the, the overwhelming sense that I felt in my heart was concern, obviously, for the physical well-being of people. But as, but as a pastor, I could see, I could see down the road what was going to take place and what what has actually happened. And I've talked to pastors, have, have many pastor friends in the community, but also in other parts of this country. My concern was for, was for the, the sake of the church and what was going to happen to the forward advancement of the gospel through the lives of God's people. And I've seen people fall away and seen people take a step back. And it's been the driving thing in my heart, the drumbeat of my heart, is to continue to proclaim these truths to us, to remind myself I've been tempted to, 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 to just be so discouraged and to, and to give up and to say, I don't know, what, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? And just be so overwhelmed and fearful. But I know beyond a shadow of any doubt that if God has called us to this time, we're going to navigate the public health crisis. But there's something far greater than a public health crisis that's going on in our world today. And that we cannot lose sight of that as Christians. We can't live duplicitous lives. We can't, we can't say we believe the Bible is concerning heaven and, and, and hell. And not actually believe that as the main priority of our life. That's the truth. And I have felt the pull and the sway of that. But we're going we're gonna to come through it. And God's going to advance his kingdom. As I, as I read last week, Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And my prayer is that each one of us will be found faithful. That his true church will rise. His true church will endure. His true church will stay. Amen. Father, we come before you and, and, and Lord, we pray God, that we would, we would live the things that your word says, that we would be diligent, we would be faithful, we would be found faithful, and that we would 
we would not lose sight of our calling. No matter what the season of our life is, we would not lose sight of our calling as believers in Jesus Christ. And we know that your kingdom is going to advance. It is advancing. It's advancing right now. It will continue to advance. And I pray that we would sign up to be a part of it, that we would not, we would not fall away or fall back or shrink back in the battle, but that we would stay strong. And specifically us as parents and spiritual leaders of the next generation, I pray that we would step into the battle, not away from the battle. That we would step into the fight, not away from the fight. That we would be diligent in our instruction to the next generation so that the kingdom of God could advance, will, will advance and expand through the work that you've called us to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I'll, I'll see you next week.